Welcome back, everybody. It's time once again to meet our community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County. Powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. With the man who invented streaming. I think you invented streaming, didn't you? John Gutierrez. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Welcome, everybody, to our community podcast show, powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Senior Vice President here at the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for tuning in with us again another Wednesday. We have another amazing superstar. Uh, I want to call him a community leader because he does so much in the community. And uh, before we get started here, I just want to introduce who he is. Robert Roman is the MG. Private Wealth CEO, uh, co-founder of Heartbeat Ventures, featured and published in a Harvard Business School case study related to his unique role in the venture and private equity ecosystem. He's a featured speaker on Bloomberg Business, uh, a dear friend of many of us here in the community. We're honored to have you on the show. Welcome, Robert Roman. Thanks, buddy. Glad to be here. All right. I know you're super busy. Uh, We appreciate you being here. And uh, just before we get into all the fun uh, business stuff that you're doing in the community, uh, we usually like to ask a little bit about you and just who you are, where you grew up. What are some of your likings, you know, your hobbies? Can you share with us a little bit about who Robert Roman is? Yeah, sure. So I'm first generation Mexican-American. Okay. Parents migrated to 78, uh, was, was born a couple years later. Um, and grew up in the city of Orange. Uh, grew up very humble. Went to four different elementary schools. Uh, we moved around quite a bit. Okay. Uh, at the age of 13, 14, kind of um, realized that, you know, I had to develop something. I was, I was tired of being hungry. And when I tell you hungry, this was a literal hungry, right? You know, you open the fridge, there's really nothing in it. Um, that's kind of how I grew up. Really? And so for me, it was... How do I change that? How do I develop something for myself in the future that, you know, uh, that allowed for me to just continue to, to or, or allowed for me to thrive and build something, right? So that I can set also my, the next generation up for something better than what I had. And I think my parents, you know, migrating here was kind of a big step because it, it allowed for that. It gave me more opportunity and things like that. But that's, um, you know, again, I grew up like that. I started thinking about career when I was very young. Um, and the reality is when I was, 12, 13, I actually started thinking about career. Um, that young? That young. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay. already thinking about, you know, lawyer, accountant. Um, I was looking into the jobs, what it means. You know, I, I grew up with family of five different cousins, so my, my dad's brother would always move with us. Okay. Um, and so when we moved from so home So it was always home, pretty tight, the home. We're always pretty tight. Okay. Yeah, we always moved. They always moved next door to us. So okay. whether we were in Santa Ana... Or Norwalk, or back in Orange, or anywhere else. Wait, so you grew up in Santa Ana too, in my my neighborhood? Huh? I was only there for I think one year, okay. from what I remember. This school yeah. named Wilson. I don't even know if it exists anymore. Yeah, by yeah, yeah. Rancho Santiago. Yes, or Santiago Canyon now. Yeah, Santiago right. Canyon. So it was across the street. Yes. Yeah, I was okay. there. So we used to live there. We lived there for about a year. Which is borderline Orange, right? Santa Ana, borderline Orange. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so yeah, for me it was just I was fascinated by career and success and you know i started was there certain things your mom or dad influenced as far as just who they were as people that you saw and said hey i you know i, I got this from my dad or my mom oh hard absolutely a hundred percent okay yeah i mean my parents would wake up at six in the morning get into work at seven they wouldn't come home till eight nine o'clock and so they had tremendous work ethic right yeah. um, and the work ethic in itself was 
you know, they, they were pressers at cleaners. That's what they did, um, which was a job that kept the roof over our head and, and, yeah. and food on the table, despite what I told you. You know, they, they provided and did what they, what they could. They did what they could, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and also they came here to give me opportunity, right? And I, and I credit them for that because if I was born on the other side, it would be more difficult for me to build what I have built. Did they share that journey with you, like how difficult that was? Did you know about it at that age already? No, but I was very observant. I've okay. always been very observant about... Even as a kid, just just paying attention to everything, okay. what people do, how they do it, what can I be doing better? Uh, those are all things that always cross my mind, even as a kid. Which is again why I started thinking about career so young, um, and and I was always fascinated by economics, finance, business, and it was a, a simple notion that, you know, if I was if I was around money, I would make money, mm-hmm. and and it was kind of a simplistic way of looking at banking, finance, and and what I got into, but. That was really initially my fascination when I was like 12 years old. Interesting. So from 12 years old on, at what point in, let's just say, high school, did you kind of start seeing that vision of where you wanted to head? Because, you know, the reason why we ask these questions, because here at the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, we do have a youth chamber, and and we're constantly working with our youth chamber as far as mentorship. As you know, Mm -hmm. John Amador, who is the person really how we met you, uh, a mutual friend, he now runs a youth chamber, and we're always looking at ways how we can mentor the youth chamber. At what age would you say, as a teenager, did you start seeing that vision of where you wanted to go? Yeah, early. Again, I say 12, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean... You know, I grew up in, in kind of different environments mm-hmm. in going to different schools, right? It was challenging to make friends uh, because I've always... Even at the high school level? Well, you got to remember, most kids will grow up with their elementary, middle school guys, That's true. friends. And then That's true. by the time they get to high school, they have their group. That's true. I went to middle school, high school fresh, right? So yeah. it, was, it was more difficult to kind of build that out. But one thing I will say is I've always known in the back of my mind um, that despite what was going on, that the, the actions that I took as a teenager and where I put myself and who I surrounded myself with mm-hmm. would essentially become my environment. So I was very conscious of the actions that I did today would reflect the outcome of my future. It was only me thinking about, man, I, one mistake can mm-hmm. ruin what I do in the future. It's true. And so that kept me away from a lot of things that I didn't get involved with, which which led me to the path of going to ROP, which is Regional Occupational Program. I don't know if it still exists in high school. We were just talking about that with some friends the other day, because there's been a lot of programs that have been cut out, fortunately, at the high school level. Banking and finance was something that I was, again, very early on fascinated with. And so at 13 years old, I started looking into it. And at 14, I actually signed up on my own with no direction. I never played sports, right, because we couldn't afford insurance. My parents were always afraid that I couldn't, you know, that I'd get hurt. hurt, Exactly. And they couldn't afford the medical bills, so I never played sports as a kid. Um, So I focused all my energy on my future and told myself that when I get older and I have kids, whatever sport they want to play, man, I I support every single one of them. It's interesting to your earlier mention who you surround yourself with. I know my dad always said in Spanish, dime con quien te juntas, te quien eres, which basically means tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are, which is an old saying in the Hispanic community. And um, I noticed that the the YouTube video I was watching last night and other videos I've been watching um, as far as like your your interview with Kevin Hart and what you got going on, Mm -hmm. he even mentioned that, right? Surrounding yourself with key people. And so in high school or going into the next level, who did you start surrounding yourself with? What do you remember back then, or how did you take it to that next level? 
Yeah, I mean, the reality was uh, it, it's who I didn't surround myself with more okay. so than who I did surround myself with. Okay. And so I, I kind of became, believe it or not, like a... Long wolf? Yeah, to a certain degree, man. I mean, <laughs> you're, la- you're laughing listen, because, hey, it, it worked, right? I mean, I'm being realistic. Yes, I mean, yes. You know, signing up for ROP, all your cousins, you know, and family kind of being involved in things that, you know, I didn't get involved with in high school, it was more of... Well, what's he doing, right? And yes. the reality was I, I didn't care. I didn't care because I've always, I would go to ROP, banking and finance. I got an internship at like 15 and a half at a bank, building trades federal credit union. Um, I don't think it exists anymore, but it's over, you know, in Chapman somewhere in Orange. And I, I would go to high school in a shirt and a tie and in, on my bike. Wow. And I, it completely changed what I looked like. Well, and people would look at me and go, dude, what are you doing? Like, yes. what do you, you, know, you look like a dork. And I went, <laughs> you know what? I, I don't care what anybody thinks because you're on a mission. Five, five to 10 years down the line, I've always thought you're not going to be laughing in five to 10 years. And I just did not care. Really? I don't, and, and to this date, it's just a focus and a vision. And it's, it's, it's part of the bricks that I put on in terms of building, right? And that's just how I looked at it as, as bricks that I would just put up. To put my uh, to build something. Now share with us today, if you don't mind skipping to that part of what do you find today that helps you from back then that you have that connection because you seem so driven to be doing what you're doing today. Of course, you're the MGO Private Wealth CEO. How did that come about? How did you end up? I mean, you're at the top of the game. Uh, it, well, I started working at UBS when I was 20 years old. Um, largest wealth management firm in the world. And I'll tell you kind of a quick story there. I was, you know, um, 18, working for a bank, worked for John Amador and Downey Savings. That's how we know each other. We go back that far. Wow. And you were how old then, you said? I was 18, 19. 18. Wow. So you know John for a while. John is our former chairman of our board, of course, as you all now shout out to the to the amigo listening. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, here's here's the thing. I'm going to give you my quick story just so you understand. Sure. And, And it'll kind of bring it full circle. So I started off working at, you know, in banking and finance because I was fascinated by, you know, the, the money business, the econ- economics and things like that. Of course. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I knew that I wanted to be in the industry. So I started off with kind of a big kind of this, this area is what I want to be in. And I knew that over time I'd be able to narrow it down. And what I figured out at the bank, and I started off as a mail clerk, believe it or not, at corporate headquarters. But what it allowed for me to do is see what everybody does at the bank and understand what they do. And everything that I did, I put 110%. I was the best mail clerk you could possibly think of. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm going all in. Right? So you were studying. You were studying the game. I've always been a student. Right? Analyzing Correct. what was going on. It kind of like a, like a, what is it, a cheetah or a panther does, I, right? Just studying and then, boom, ready for the kill. I, I'm Robert <laughs> Rowan, man. I'm just like, I, I'm observing. That's just what I do. Yes. Uh, but that's what I did even at the bank. And so I learned that I did not want to be at a bank. And that even if I was a CEO at the bank, that I, I couldn't see myself being that person. That wasn't something that would be fulfilling to me. Okay. And so I was watching, this is a true story. I was watching TV one night and Best Jobs in America comes up. It was on news or something. And first one was Financial Advisor. It was number one. Really? And I went, oh man, that's cool. Why? Financial Advisor. And I've always been fascinated with Wall Street investment, all these different things, even at that age. And I went, man, that's cool. Like, I want to do that. And why? Because that flexibility, um, you, what you put in is what you get out, right? Yes. There's no cap. There's, yeah. You're an entrepreneur. You're, and I went, I'm a hard worker. I believe in myself. This is something that I could do. And so that same night, 
I actually did research on the best firms to work for in the industry. Orange County, it was Smith Barney, it was Payne Weber before it was UBS, Merrill Lynch, all these different firms. And did the research, got my resume together within two days. I faxed my resume in. You would fax around that time. Wait, this you was, put together your own resume? Just, just let's do it. Same night. I was that motivated. Talk about being driven, huh? Hey, man, listen, I'm not wasting time. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach, every <laughs> single time. And so, so that's what I did. I faxed my And then I cold called every single firm that I faxed my resume in. I cold called each one of them and said, wow. hey, this is who I am. This is what I've done. Been at the bank. I don't care where you guys put me. Is there an open position? Because I took the same, hey, if I can get a job within the company, I know I could work my way up. And a financial advisor I could see myself as. I got interviewed at 4675 MacArthur Court uh, in Newport Beach, Payne Weber, wow. a gal named Lucille, hired me as a cashier. You remember it all. Took, to oh, the man, took a huge pay it cut. Was a, it was a big moment in your life. Huge moment, yeah, right. because I went into an industry. And mind you, I was nervous. And you know, I remember walking down the hallway and going in, and I was a cashier. And you know, from there, we moved over to, uh, got bought by UBS, became UBS Payne Weber. Then I became... An assistant, and as an assistant, here's what I did. I observed every financial advisor in every corner office, and I saw the way they handled their clients, the way they handled their business, and how they went about business. And I took nuggets from each one of them, and I thought, man, if I just piece out together this this way of doing it, I could be even better than these guys and build it even bigger than they can. And I will have a corner office. Sure enough, by the time I was 27, I'd built a practice and I had a corner office at UBS in Newport Beach. Wow. Fast forward to... You know, when I was 31, I, I spun out, created my own company, and um, was legacy private client group. But what made you decide, hey, I'm going to start my own company? Because that's important. Here at the Chamber, we work with a lot of entrepreneurs. We work with a lot of established businesses. What made you decide to take the jump? Because that's not easy to do. It's not. There's risk in it. Right? Exactly. I literally sold everything. I liquidated Everything that I had. You to, invested to start my in business. yourself, Correct. basically. So here's what it was for me. I went from, I explained to you that when I was in the office, I would, I would always observe the corner offices and how they do things better. No different than when I created my own business at UBS. That I thought, I could do the platform even better. I can create the architecture of what this new thing is. And around that time, you had more open architecture and the ability to kind of spin out and create your own company. And I, I told myself that now I'm observing, I observe the advisors, now I'm observing the companies. Mm. And when I observe the companies is when I created my own blueprint and thought, I could do this even better. My clients would follow me. At 31, I did that. And I was, knock on wood, blessed enough for everybody to, you know, believe in me and, and uh, continue to grow and build. And uh, four years later, I was partially acquired by MGO, which became MGO Private Wealth. You know, I founded that company and continue to run it. Now I'm the CEO of MGO Private Wealth. Amazing. Um, and that's really what it was. It was always observing. It was how can I do it even better, even at the job level to the company level to the whatever level, whatever it is you're doing. But it's almost like you're a perfectionist, would you say? I would say it's more of an obsession, <laughs> to be honest with you. He's, he's like, obsessed, guys. He's it obsessed. Is, it's, it's almost like, <laughs> like everything that I put my energy to yes. becomes an obsession. Really? It's, it's like, how do I do this even better? Okay. And I, even when I, the way I manage money for clients, right, early on, I studied the Yale and Harvard endowments. Nobody told me to do that. I was 22, 23, and I went, well, who, who in the industry is doing it different? Who is doing it better? And by the way, why aren't we doing it this way? And that was my own study of pulling out research papers, white papers, educating myself, not necessarily going, like, really pulling the data 
and, and applying all my energy into understanding why the smartest people in the room do it the way they do it and why they do it that way. Mm. And that's the obsession in absolutely everything that I do, mm. kind of across the board. And I'm, I'm not saying I perfect everything. That's just my process. It's just what I do, and it's what's worked for me. Now, do you feel that is, that is why the passion behind what you're doing today as co-founder of Heartbeat Ventures, I know that it seems like you're very passionate about what you guys are doing today with Kevin Hart. Can you share with us what that's all about, please? Because for me, it's very exciting to see what you guys are doing. Yeah. No, I mean, look, um, anybody can build a business around you know, wealthy people um, in, as a financial advisor and what I do and, and just helping people in general. It doesn't have to be wealthy. It's people that are starting out in retirement, things like that. Being a young kid, wanted to build around entertainers because I wanted to be the guy that's managing the people on the court you know, sitting at a game. Like, that's just, again, simple and as dumb as it sounds, like, that's what people want to do. It took me five and a half years of working with Kevin Hart before... To, to get him as a client, you mean? To get him as a client and to start working with him. Okay. Yeah, and it was a process of a lot of producers that were clients of mine, that are clients of mine, and I would go on set uh, with my, the producers and they would introduce me to the people that were there, actors, actresses, and I met... Kevin through, I think it was Grudge Match, which was with Sylvester Stallone and Robert De Niro. Okay. He also did a movie called Get Hard with Will Ferrell. That's right. Um, and I met his team at that movie, and his team, I started to drip on them in terms of financial literacy. Hey, guys, why aren't you thinking about things this way and that way and that way? And it was a drip process for years of just education, like continuous education. And I already had ideas in terms of what I could do. Where did them. you learn the drip process because that's that's key it's a tool in the toolbox is it not it is it is yeah again is that self-developed it's self-developed because i know i asked you before who were your mentors yeah. and i mean that's what you just mentioned is a, is a very key piece for our listeners right and and it i know you shared time. a story before at an event that we had and by the way thank you for for speaking at this event we did with our friend maria gomez and the real estate community but you shared how you were like that. Put me in, coach. I, you know, you're observing, so you're listening. I'll tell right? you. I'll tell you a story, another story, right? And this was related to, to Cheech Marin. Yes, he's not a client. But I was waiting for you story. to tell that story. That's so, a great story because that story kind of stems what every, everything else that I've done, right? Yes. And a lot of it has to do with me always being strategic about every component of what I do. There's a thought process behind it, and how can I eliminate all the different risks? How can I be more effective and how can I have an edge over you? Because there's a million guys going after the same guy. Sorry. There's a million guys going after the same guy. Yes. Correct? Okay. So how do I stand out and how do I look even better to the individual when I get my, my shot? Right? Yeah. And so for it's me, like it's being three steps ahead of the game, right? Every time. There's always a strategy. And so, again, quick story. When I started my career at UBS, I made a list of people that I wanted to do business with. Cheech Marin was one of them. Why? Because... My dad was a fan, and he watched movies, and I thought I'd make him proud if I got him as a client. Dear, dear to your heart. Yeah, it was just kind of a yeah. you know connection there. Yes. Um, and so I did research on Cheech, because I have no angle. I know nobody in Hollywood. I built my practice out of Orange County, right? I was in Newport Beach the whole time. I don't know, I know nobody in L.A. And so it was, how do, I, how do I get to this guy? And so I did research. I found out that he's got this art show that he tours. This was back in 2000 five six seven right around there yes which and, now he's in riverside by yeah the way, yeah right that's yes. right and so so he had this this art show that he toured and i thought well ubs has this big art kind of support and and we have an initiative to to kind of be involved and things like that and i went how can i match the two and maybe that's my angle 
And so I reached out to the person that was managing his art show, and I thought, you know what? It's always easier to get an introduction and earn credibility when it's an introduction for somebody already has the credibility built in, right? Because it's instant. If I go to Cheech Marin directly, introduce myself, and pitch him on something, he's going to go, who the heck are you? And exactly. what? You're wasting my if, time or if something. If I have his friend or his trusted person go, hey, Cheech, here's Robert Roman, meet him, the walls come down. Exactly. Right? So it gives you another kind of easier approach and a, and a better way of potentially getting him as a client. And so I, again, it took me like three months, took her to lunch, took her to dinner, got involved with art, did all these things. Finally, she goes, hey. This is to, his, his friend, of his, course. His friend that yes. runs the art show. Hey, come and come and uh, meet Cheech. I want to introduce you. And I went, yes, there's my shot. <laughs> and of course, I go to the art show, show up, bunch of people. She introduces me. He turns around, shakes my hand, turns back around, does this thing. And I went, dude, he's not going to remember me. <laughs> and so I'm like, it was a process. What it taught me was... All right, that was my first patience, time. right? Patience, patience. It took me four different shows. Wow, four different shows. Talk the, about patience. Huh? The fourth one. This was a five month process, man. <laughs> the fourth one was a was a uh, premiere for his movie. The premiere of his movie. He, you know, she introduces me again. She turns around. And he goes, "Oh yeah, Robert, how are you, man?" And immediately I thought, "Okay, this is it." Yeah. Like, I don't. It was instinctive. It wasn't yeah. even I thought. Remember your name. It. it was instinctive. Right. I went. Hey, Cheech, man, if you got time after this, dude, I would love to just sit with you for a couple minutes. Like, just let me tell you what I'm all about. Yes. Because at that point, I already had the wall come down. Yes. And he goes, find me after the movie. We'll sit down. And I thought, cool. More patience. More patience. <laughs> Saw the movie. Went and I found him. He goes, yeah, follow me around. I got to say bye to everybody. Follows, I follow him around. He says bye to everybody. The theater clears out. And it's me and Cheech Marin sitting down for two and a half hours. Wow. Getting to know each other. Wow. And that was Talk my Talk about building report, huh? I built that report. But here's the thing. Like I said, the process was what I just explained to you. Months. Months. And it was months. And it, that yeah. was five months. Kevin was five years of continuous this, financial literacy, getting involved with my angle, what business opportunities they are. And I, I came up with the idea of Heartbeat Ventures because a lot of entertainers and influencers are trying to really understand their own economics, right? Their economics as an entertainer. And the reality is they do have a different layer of economics than just your average dollar. So your dollar and my dollar are just a dollar. But the dollar of an individual that has marketing components, media components, the brand, different the brand, right? is, is probably $3, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's bringing more value to you than just the $1 that you put into a company. And so I really wanted to change the game and... Um, I had this idea of, of creating this with a guy that was on his way up and clearly was going to be a top person in the world. And I pitched him on the idea of Heartbeat Ventures. And I'll tell you another quick story. I was supposed to be in, he was in Atlanta. He's a busy guy. He was in Atlanta. And he goes, um, I'm going to be out in Atlanta. If you happen to be out here, you know, I'll meet with you. And I said, perfect. I'm going to be in Atlanta too. Dude, I wasn't going to be in Atlanta. I booked a flight, and I was in a hotel for a week until he gave me 30 minutes patience, at a again, restaurant. Patience. At a restaurant. No joke. No joke. Yeah, sure. I've never been to Atlanta in my life. I had gone to there. Had gone there. Uh, we met at a restaurant, and I pitched him on the idea, and he stands up, and he goes, I'm all in. Really? Let's go. Wow. And that's what it was. I was back in 2017. And now, fast forward, we built kind of That's when the idea started, huh? That's that's when the that's when it's that's when I launched it. Launched I had, it. I had already ideated the whole thing for a year. Yeah, pre-planned it, of course. Yeah, pre-planned yeah, yeah. the game. 
Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. Now it's you're just rolling been. out the game plan. Now it's just, now I got to execute. Wow. And how do I execute? How am I even better at what I'm doing? Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan. Let's do this. Listen, man, I'm here to break ceilings. Wow. That's it. I'm here so, to break ceilings, doing different. So tell us what the goal is. What is the mission? Because I know that's key. I think it's when you shared it with me and others that you were telling us, I think it's it's amazing what hopefully in the future it's going to open doors, right? Yeah. For many in the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, the, the mission statement of Kevin Hart is bridge the gap. Right, he really wants to be, and that aligns with my mission statement as well. So we align a lot of things related to how do we bridge the gap, how do we bring opportunity to people that are involved, um, or that don't typically get the opportunity. People like you and I, right? How do we create that? Mm-hmm. And so there is there is kind of this wealth gap that exists, mm-hmm. right? And in venture and investments, it exists even more. Um, so think of think of like friends and family round, mm-hmm. right? A lot of a lot of people will launch a company initially, they'll have a friends and family round. Hey, mm-hmm. can my friends, people around me invest in me so I can go out to market? Well, the reality is you asked me in in high school and in you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, exactly. if you asked me to go to my friends and family, they all have no money. Like yeah. I grew up in a very poor community. Exactly. They have no money. So the wealth gap exists. The playing those, field is not the same. Those individuals that grew up in an affluent neighborhood, in the suburbs, in areas that are very, have access to affluent money. And so the wealth gap gets even bigger, even with startups. And so how do we start bridging that gap? I mean, look, in 2021, there was 330 plus billion dollars that went into venture, double of what it was in 2020. Really? Out of that, out of that, 2% went to female founders. 1.2% 1.2% went to black founders and 2.1% went to Hispanic founders. That's it. So roughly 5.7.8%, which is roughly $17 billion out of $330 billion. That's crazy. Think about that. The numbers are crazy. And so how do we, how do we bridge that gap? How do we give that opportunity? Because there's, there's great founders everywhere. And so we, we're trying to elevate that playing field because we know that we can find great founders with great ideas and great companies that'll, you know, that'll be successful. And so how do we fund them and how do we bridge the gap? Which is why we also partnered with JP Morgan. JP Morgan. I was about to say that JP Morgan. Wow. It's big for us. Yeah. Thank you to them, right. For stepping up to, to really support this mission, right. This cause. Yeah. Underrepresented founders and inclusivity is really important for them. Um, Aligns with our mission statement as well biggest bank in the world they're they're incredible at what they do and you know everything just kind of aligned and the fact that we got anchored the heartbeat ventures fund one on the institutional level got anchored by them is a huge you know validation stamp in terms of what we're doing how we're doing it and they've also kind of made a commitment to to help raise the entire round which is something we're excited about with them it's a it's a we're actually going to be going on jp morgan platform um and it's it's great it's great so Having the resources even from them and be, being able to align with them, not only on the equity side, but now we're, we're working with a bank where we can say, hey, these guys need banking needs. Like, let's, you guys start paying attention to this, you know, and they're doing that. They're trying to bridge the gap themselves. But there's a lot of different areas that I think we can help kind of level the playing field and give up opportunities across the board. Yeah, I mean, that's it, man. I'm excited. Well, it's, it's interesting. A lot of the things you talk about go back to what my wife and I, we watch Shark Tank all the time. And I know earlier you and Paul here, our producer, were talking about Shark Tank and how Kevin Hart was on it. And uh, and it's just beautiful to see people go in there, right, with ideas and opportunities. And then people 
hey, whether or not they invest, that's really up to the investors. And so is that what's next for what you all are doing? Like where people can come find you and say, hey, invest into our, our idea or our opportunity? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's um, there's heartbeatventures.com where people could go and okay. And, um, Thank you for sharing submit. that. That's very important. Yeah, where they can go and they could submit their you know their business. Their, you know there is a profile of types of companies that we're looking for. Okay. Um, that the team is looking for, but absolutely that that is where they can go submit kind of inquiries. Would you say that the kid that moved around everywhere is living the dream? Um. I don't, you know, I don't know. To be honest with you, I, I still, I wake up and I feel like it's day one. Um, I feel like... So you're is, still hungry to get to another just, level. Yeah, this is just another brick, right? I mean, look, I don't think I'll be... I've always been driven. Um, I've always had an obsession for what I do. But I think for me, it's more impact. And the reality is, when I said earlier, I want to break ceilings, I really do. I want to change venture. I want to change the way people look at entertainers and venture and what people call an influencer fund. Kevin Hart's not an influencer fund. This is a true venture fund that is not only going to bridge the gap, but is going to make a difference in the venture and investment world. Um, and so we're here to shake it up, do it, do it better and greater. Um, that's that's kind of the idea. But living the dream, I don't know, man. I, I I feel very blessed and I'm very grateful. I wake up every morning and I give this gratitude in my heart. That that fulfills me because I know everything I've worked hard for um, wouldn't mean anything unless I had gratitude. Yeah. And so that's it's really big for me. Well, I know Kevin on on the video that I saw that you shared with me, um he said that uh you know, this is bigger than Kevin Hart. I saw that he said that. This is bigger than Kevin Hart. This is and how it was important for him to align himself with people like you and obviously now JP Morgan. And so thank you, man. Thank you for what you're doing. Continue all success. We wish you all the best. Like I said, unfortunately, the show's only 30 minutes. I wish we could be here all day uh, talking about all this. But, um, you know, we wish you all the best. Thank you for coming Appreciate on. You. I know you're Thanks busy traveling all over. And, um, and, and like you said, how can people come out and connect with you or just basically go to the website? Is that where you, you, you feel? is the best way for people to connect with you yeah or okay. reach out to you <laughs> your friend Re- reach out reach out, reach to, out me. to john <laughs> i'll see what i can do I'll, I'll see if i can help you guys out um but thank you robert we really appreciate it we, we appreciate you sharing the knowledge and and we wish you all the best and um and folks uh we we thank everybody for tuning in if you have any questions feel free leave a comment we'll try to answer those questions back uh to you and uh and again folks robert roman mgo private wealth ceo co-founder of heartbeat ventures and thank you for tuning in to our community podcast show powered by the orange county hispanic chamber of commerce quick announcement december 15th is our annual toy drive Please continue to support uh, that annual event. And Robert, thank you for sponsoring also some of our events. We really appreciate your support. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for what you do. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right, man. Bye. Well, there you have it. One more reason to tune in each and every time to meet our community, the Hispanic business community here in Orange County, powered by the Orange County Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. 